Hello, microbe friends. I'm Justine Dees, and welcome to the Joyful Microbe Podcast. It's the show all about the microbes we encounter in our daily lives. Thank you so much for tuning in. I cannot wait to share this episode with you. Today, I will be chatting with Dr. Dave Westenberg. He is a professor of biological sciences at Missouri University of Science and Technology. He has a PhD in microbiology and molecular genetics, and he calls himself a juggler of microbes, which I really love, and we get around to talking about what that means exactly to him. But in this episode, we discuss how do you actually get people interested in microbiology? Because microbiology can be quite abstract since it is the study of organisms we most of the time can't see without the aid of a microscope. So Dave is someone who has a passion for helping people discover their love for microbes. He teaches at the university level, but also does outreach at the K-12 level and to the general public through events. We talk about how he approaches microbiology education through creating relatable connections, as well as by using art and the beauty of colorful microbes to spark curiosity. We also talk about what the world looks like through a microbiologist's eyes, and we talk about what microbial agar art is. We talk about microbes that glow in the dark, and also a really awesome resource that I absolutely love that helps you find microbes in your daily life. And we wrap it up talking about a hands-on activity to create a colorful microbial ecosystem called a Winogradsky column. At the very end, I will tell you a little bit about a brand new resource called the Joyful Winogradsky Column Guide that will help you with that even more, especially if you are a microbiology educator and you want to use this in the classroom. So I am thrilled to share this episode with you. I hope you enjoy it. All right, let's get into the interview. Hi, Dave. Thanks so much for coming on the Joyful Microbe. I'm so excited that you're here. Thanks, Justine. Looking forward to talking about the microbial world and sharing some of the, the fun things about microbes. Awesome. So you are a professor of biological sciences at Missouri University of Science and Technology. You have a PhD in microbiology and you call yourself a juggler of microbes. <laughs> Your Twitter handle is at germjuggler. So I want to hear a little bit about that. What does it mean to be a juggler of microbes and what made you come up with that idea? Awesome question. Yeah, I, was trying, I, I like this, the, the flow of the name germ juggler. Um, I didn't really think about that originally when, when uh, um, I, I did a postdoc over in Germany and I was asked to give a presentation for uh, one of our global learning classes on campus. And I called it, you know, talking to germs in German, um, just kind of a I don't like the flow of that name. Um, I wasn't on Twitter at the time. And, and when I was trying to come up with when I started kind of being connected, what Twitter w was about and what I could do with it and how, how useful it could be, um, trying to think of a clever name. And, uh, and then the germ juggler kind of came from that, you know, kind of connected to my previous presentations. But also I think about, again, uh, more and more, I think as a microbiologist, we're always juggling this idea of, 
to me, microbes rule the world. Microbes are so important to our lives. And and most, the vast majority are beneficial to the things you know, going on around us. Um, and yet we have these microbes that are incredibly dangerous and we have to respect those microbes. And so we're always juggling that idea of um, appreciating the, the beauty and the fun and the importance of microbes, but at the same time, respecting the possibility that there are microbes out there that we don't know about that could be potentially harmful. And so trying to, 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 to balance that you know, becomes a juggling act. So, so that's the way I kind of think about it. That wasn't the intention when coming up with it, but, but um, yeah. I like to use that concept as I go along. I really like that a lot. And it's something that I think about and talk about a lot um, on Joyful Microbe, the idea that most microbes are not going to harm us, yet in the news we hear about the bad ones mostly. And so it's it makes it seem like there's more of the bad ones just because of how popular they are and famous. But it's kind of frustrating because we know as microbiologists and we want to share with the world that <laughs> it's really not all that. It's it's like on the whole, the microbial world is the vast majority is not harmful. So, yeah, I really like that juggler of microbes. That's great. <laughs> How to, how to recognize those risks. You know, we just, you just have to be careful. Mm. You don't have to fear the microbes. You just have to respect them. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. So you are a microbiology educator. Um, you teach college classes. So what is one of the first things that you discuss with your microbiology classes with your students? And nowadays, I, I want my students to to build their own connections. I mean, that's, that's what really to, to – support students education they have to want to be there they want to have to want to learn the material and and to get to that point they need to find a connection um, and i've been really trying to focus on you know, over the years learning how to to be more connected to the students and and giving them their own voice and so i start off with the traditional you know history of microbiology but i try and put a twist on it for students to to find microbiologists that they can connect to and relate to. So, so I really want to start off at the beginning with, with the people, um, because microbiology, like any science, is, is done by, by people. And the people that do the science are really um, important that we recognize that and students recognize that they can do these types of things. And so I, I introduce them to the, you know, what I call it, you know, the, the old farts of microbiology, you know, taken through some of the, the classic <laughs> people, but to realize that, that microbiology is so much more than, than the, the names that they get in the textbooks, you know, the caulk and the pesture and, and, and all those names. And so I want them to find microbiologists out there. So, so the first assignment they get is to find a microbiologist and we have a discussion board online and they post about them and share their ideas. Um, and I love the things they come up with. I love to be able to, to share with them my stories about the, the microbiologists that I've been interacting with and the people that have inspired me, um, you know, you know, people like, you know, you know, Colleen Cavanaugh and Margaret McFall Nye and, and, and all these great microbiologists that are out there that I've had the, the opportunity to, to interact with and how they've inspired me in, in the things they do and help students to find their own uh, people out there. And the stories they come up with is, is really kind of cool. You know, what they find and, and why they make that connection um, really gives me some insight into who they are and, and realize what I can do then to help them along to, to find that point. So. 
Yeah, I'd love to hear a little bit more about that. Um, do you have any specific examples of some microbiologists that students have chosen that you thought were really interesting or surprising? Yeah, no, no, it's surprising. Sometimes it's more the idea of you know, you know where they're going to go for their for their information that kind of um, is out there, and they usually come up with some of the more traditional ones. Um, but I like it when a student comes up. And I can't think of any names off the top of my head, but they'll they'll come up with people that I never would have imagined them going into. That they'll they'll mm-hmm. go into um, you know scientists again, oftentimes from other countries um, that I was not familiar with. So I'm always learning. I tell my students I learn more from them than they'll ever learn from me. You know because they outnumber me, you know, they come at it with a different perspective. And so, so I'm only learning something um, new for them. And so, so they come up with some names that I need to learn. I said, Oh, I need to learn about that person. I need to look into that a little bit more. Um, but, but kind of give an example of something I do here that um, kind of a, a connection that I've, I've found that's really valuable is um, a colleague of mine in our history department um, teaches the history of science. And she wrote a, a wonderful blog about an early um, microbiologist that worked here at our university back in the 30s, um, Ida Bankston. Um, and uh, she was on the faculty here, but she was brought here to work on trachoma. Um, here in South Central Missouri, where kind of was the, the center of the trachoma outbreak in that time period. Um, and so she came and set up a trachoma hospital and did some profound research in that area. And so I share with the students the story about a local microbiologist, um, very little known, um, that had this tremendous impact on the area and, and microbiology in general. And on my first exam, I give them an opportunity to kind of talk about something they learned that surprised them. Um, and I loved how many of them brought up that that story really you know, resonated with them. And so they found that to be um, the most inspirational or most surprising for them. Um, and so we were able to share those kinds of stories. I think that's what's valuable to me is being able to have those opportunities to share with each other uh, what we find interesting and helpful. Yeah, that's really neat. I like that a lot. That's neat to use something that's local too that students can relate to and know a little bit about where they are and how that relates to microbiology. I like that a lot. Um, so when when do you usually first see them get excited about microbiology and can you share any specific moments when you saw your students light up? Well, it's hard to say when they're on Zoom, but <laughs> um, I, I think <laughs> t- to me, again, teaching microbiology, the best the best thing to do when, when you're teaching microbiology is teaching the lab. You know, that's when you really see things start to connect. And so when they get in the lab and, you know, I always, you know, get a kick out of that student says, oh, I'm terrible at working with the microscope. I'm terrible at this. And and you can kind of help them and walk them through that and they they suddenly start to get it and they start to look at things that are really surprising. So, so right off the bat, when we're doing something in, in, uh, and, and using the microscopes in the lab, that's when you really see that, you know, um, their eyes light up and they get excited about what they, what they've seen. Um, when, when we're in the lab, we just talk about things that they just never, or in, in the lecture, when we talk about things that they just hadn't thought about before, they just didn't realize those connections. You know, when we talk about microbes in food and, you know, they discover that, Oh, chocolate and coffee and all these things that are a big part of their lives um, are thanks to microbial activities. So suddenly they start seeing all these, these connections um, that really raises that, that, that excitement level. Again, as soon as they find a connection, 
suddenly that makes the, the the whole change in their attitude and perception on things. So, so like I said, when, when we talk about the people and they suddenly realize, oh, there's people like me doing microbiology. When, when we talk about food and they say, oh, a food that I love is thanks to, to microbes, you know, all those things that really um, click. So again, I, 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 I I strive for those connections. And when that, when those connections happen, that's what really gets me excited and then gets them excited. Yeah, that's really great. Um, yeah. Relating to things that are in our lives really helps a lot for people to kind of understand microbiology because it's surprising how many ways microbiology is related to our daily lives. Um, and then with the microscopes, I remember, when I was teaching microbiology labs too, I, that was so much fun to, for people to see in the microscope for the first time, whenever they'd get it in focus. And then all of a sudden like, Oh, I got it. Yeah. <laughs> and they're so yeah. excited. And it's so fun to share that and help them find that um, bacteria that they're looking at or whatever it is. So I love that. Um, so how did you originally get interested in microbiology? Yeah, I came out not not probably not the traditional way, although it's probably the most common method that a lot of students do by by sheer accident. Um, and I, you know, as an undergraduate student, I was going to go to vet school. That was my mindset from 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 day one. I went to college to go to vet school. I I, I went to Michigan State because that was the in-state vet school, and so I always wanted to do that. Um, but that's just you know one of those childhood things you just never let go of. And of course, you can't major in pre-vet. So I had to pick a, a real major. Um, and I looked at the options and I saw, well, microbiology, um, if I want to take care of animals, I got to learn about you know, disease, you know, that typical stereotype we all have about microbes. Um, and so I picked microbiology just for that period. Um, but when I took my first microbiology class and learning about microbial diversity and they were so much more than disease-causing microbes, even though there was that emphasis on on disease in the particular class I took. But but just recognizing that microbiology was you know, so much more um, diverse as far as the organisms that are out there, and learning that I could do that, you know, like a lot of I, I tell this to my students is. You know, when when you're when you're when you're a good student, and, and I'm not, I was not a good student, but good students tend to be, um, they're told be a doctor or an engineer. You know, they're told those types of careers. They don't realize all the diversity of careers you can get in in these disciplines. And so, it took me having to pick a, a real major that I suddenly realized, oh, you can get a career as a microbiologist and do these different things. And so, <laughs> so that's what really you know opened my eyes. So being able to you know being exposed to that class that suddenly provide those opportunities. And so that's my goal as a, as an educator is I want to help students find that, you know, it's not just doctors and engineers. You have all these different types of career paths that you can take. Um, and, and it's not my career path. That's important. Mm -hmm. It's your career path. That's important. Um, and help you find and explore and find what you like and what you don't like. Um, and so for me, it was that. And as I went through more and more microbiology classes till I got to my, my last semester and I had a, a microbial diversity class with John Bresnack at Michigan State, and that just blew my mind away. And that suddenly opened the idea, oh, I can go on and get a graduate degree, and I can do all these other <laughs> things. Um, and I don't want my students to wait to that last quarter of their last year to, to make that discovery. So so that's my goal as an educator is to help them discover themselves. Yeah, and, and so I, I try to do a little bit more of that as we go along, introduce these, these career options. Um, ASM has come out with recently some really cool um, uh, career 
materials that I can use now. So I'm trying to put some of that into my classes as well to give them some ideas of, again, that connection to the people and what kind of jobs are out there in the field. So to kind of get them thinking about that a little bit more. So as a microbiologist, I'm kind of curious to hear your thoughts on this. Um, can you give some examples of how you view the world differently through the lens of a microbiologist for better or worse? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. To my, to my department chair's um, horror, um, I connect microbes to everything, you know, everything, everything, everything we talk about in faculty meetings and stuff like that. I can, I draw microbes into the, into the, uh, conversation some some way shape or form but for me i mean yeah everything around me i i look for a microbial connection looking mm-hmm. for for any evidence of microbes around me and and point that out to anyone and, and you know I, I feel sorry <laughs> for my daughter growing up with me that you know i i would always be talking about microbes and connections to microbes and um kind of uh talking about those things and coming to her class and talking about microbes um that to me as a microbiologist, I can't separate myself from the microbial world. This is you know, always connecting it to something going on around us um, in some way, shape, or form, and, and uh, being able to recognize it and remind people, oh, did you know that that is connected to microbes in some way, shape, or form? So, mm-hmm. yeah, so that's, again, kind of be challenging. I think my daughter appreciated that, but um, <laughs> I, I liked going to, you know, again, visiting her class and, you know, um, doing fun things with microbes with, with her classmates and, and then being recognized at, um, you know, around town and say, you know, being, Oh, you're that germ guy or something like that. (laughs) Always a a fun connection to have. Okay. So you did a TEDx talk and, um, the theme was dare to consider. Is that right? Correct. Yes. And so I just want to hear a little bit about your talk and, um, just, kind of explain what you were talking about when you discussed the theme dare to consider and how it relates to microbes. Yeah, that was a, an interesting connection trying to you know, figure out you know, when that, when that theme hit, it was, I, I guess it was the timing with certain events that were, that were going on. Um, but one of the things that we often talk about, um, about microbiology is that what would the world be like if we didn't have microbes? You know, I mean, we depend upon microbes on so many aspects of our lives. And most people think about, you know, all these antibacterial this, antibacterial that, get rid of the germs, kill the germs type of of perspective. And I saw this as an opportunity to, well, think about what would life be like if we didn't have any germs? You know, dare to consider um, a, a world without microbes. And so this was a great opportunity to me to then tell some little stories about how valuable microbes are in the world around us. And so, so I kind of gave a little bit of that, you know, path that I go through about how microbiology began in this, in this quest to find the cause of disease, but eventually evolved in this idea of understanding how important microbes are to so many processes around us and that certain aspects of life would not happen. Um, without the microbial world. And so, um, so I saw this as a great opportunity to, you know, get up on my soapbox and um, try and, mm-hmm. and convince the world that uh, microbes are valuable and we should value and respect them. And so I took them through these different beneficial aspects of, of microbes uh, from the, you know, the benefits of microbes in food, 
to the microbes in, in agriculture, um, to the microbes in our, our general health. You know, now that we're in the era of the microbiome, to recognize how valuable um, the microbiome is to so many aspects of, of our health. Um, and then and then some of the fun things that we can do with microbes, too. So it got me a little chance to throw in some, you know, microbial agar art and, uh, you know, some playing with bioluminescence and and things like that to kind of, again, make it a, a fun connection to um, to the microbial world. And so so that theme um, I saw as an opportunity that I couldn't pass up. I love that you talked about that microbes are valuable, and um, but you emphasized that we should value and respect them. And that kind of helps with the whole going back to being a germ juggler, yeah. like that they are valuable and there's this kind of weird dynamic where we have to be you know, respectful of them at the same time um, and know that they can cause diseases. Some of them can cause diseases, um, but a lot of them are doing really amazing stuff for us. Yeah. So I, and, and again, I, I use a lot of I use I use German, the, the giant microbes in a lot of my um, outreach and, and, and other events. And of course, that's also I mean, all, most of the giant microbes are disease-causing microbes, because that kind of is, again, what, that's what gets the attention. <laughs> yeah. And I keep reaching out to them saying, you know, we got to put a few more beneficial microbes in there. And they, they've added a few along the way um, to try and, mm-hmm. and draw that. But, um, but I think, uh, yeah, it's important that we, we, we can't forget that they're out there. And, and, and I'm always want to be cautious that I'm not uh, minimizing, you know, the importance of these you know, harmful microbes because they do Absolutely. impact people's lives. And so I want to make sure that I don't uh, yeah. you know, get too carried away with, with, the fun side of things and, and, and also maintain that healthy respect that, um, that do people are suffering from these things. And so, um, yeah. so that's a, a real challenge that we have to, to face. Yeah, I completely agree. I think that's a really good point. I think it's really neat. It seems like you have a passion for educating not only in, um, at the college level, but just kind of to everyone. And, um, and, You've also won some awards for education, which is really amazing. Um, and you care about K through 12. So I'm kind of curious, how do you approach teaching microbiology differently for college versus K through 12? Not really. I don't, I don't think of it differently in, in that sense. I think of it just what level I'm going on to. To me, you know, education is education. You can use the the resources I have at any at any level. It's just, you know, how how deep do you go into the the details behind it? To me, when I talk about microbiology, it's that sparking curiosity to get them to ask questions and want to know. And you can do that at any, at any level. Um, and so, so any opportunity I can have to talk about microbes to any group of people, I will do that. And I will tailor it to that, um, to that, that level of, of, um, what their understanding might be and allow them to do that. So, so I love doing outreach in, in a way that's kind of, um, kind of a double-edged sword because I'm just, I'm very passionate about that. But as a, as a professor, that's not always frowned upon, but I'm not always good at following directions. So, so I still do what, 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 what I, I love. Um, and, and really the first connection that got me involved in the, in the K-12 arena was just that respect I have for what K-12 teachers do and, and how, what can I do to support them? So, so I really, kind of got involved um, through ASM, the American Society for Microbiology. Um, and they had events called Teacher Science Day at the big general microbiology meetings where they would invite local teachers to meet with some of the microbiologists, learn some activities and and see what the microbiology 
conference was all about. And so I got to have some uh, sit downs with some teachers and go through some activities with them. And through those conversations, I just realized how I could help them um, to be that connection to, and to be a resource. And so, um, so when I, this was before I even started my faculty job. So I got a faculty job. I looked for those opportunities to work with the local K-12 teachers, you know, being in, in rural Missouri, um, there are so many school districts in our area that are so, um, they have great teachers, but they're just so resource poor. And so can I provide them resources and tools and opportunities to have some connections? So I've been, I got involved with professional development for teachers to kind of help them with resources. Um, and that's just opened more opportunities for me to get involved because again, there's so many needs out there. So, so being involved with, with the local teachers. And then I realized that, you know, ASM has, um, at the time, a K-12 education and outreach committee that I could get involved with. And then, um, again, more professional development opportunities. And I started getting involved with um, HHMI and um, NABT, the National Association of Biology Teachers. There's so many great um, organizations out there that are built towards supporting teachers. And so, so that's what kind of um, motivates me these days. Um, although I have to confess, my original motivation was again, visiting my daughter's classes, you know, finding mm -hmm. ways to embarrass her, um, and, <laughs> and, and share, you know, my, my micros, but yeah, being able to go to her classes and, and talk about bioluminescent bacteria when they're talking about the ocean or, or talking about, you know, the plague when they're talking about, um, you know, the middle ages, you know, and then being able to dress up in costumes again, you know, anything I could do to, 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 um, be an embarrassment. That's, you know, that's a, a father's, um, goal in life. <laughs> embarrass their kids. Oh, and so, great. so getting to do those <laughs> kind of things and connecting with their classes, going in and reading books about microbes and, and things like that was um, what motivates me. But, but what really drives me is again, just being able to interact with, with, with teachers. Um, and, and again, I, everything I've learned about teaching, I've learned from K-12 teachers, you know, as a professor, you don't learn how to teach. Um, you know, you learn how to do research, you figure out how to teach on your own and, and being able to do professional development, as I said, even like I take with my students, I learn more from them than they'll ever learn from me. Um, I've gotten so many valuable um, concepts of teaching from working with the K-12 community. It's, it's, uh, um, they've been my, you know, lifesaver. So I owe them, I owe them everything, you know, as far as my education experience goes. Oh, that's really great. Um, do you have any specific examples of things that you took from that, from K-12 to into your classes to help you teach microbiology better? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, that's a lot of it's just the, the, the idea of um, looking at the different ways you can communicate the same, same information. And, you know, I, I really don't like this idea of there, there's no such thing as learning styles. You know, it's what people are, how, how, how people grew up learning things. That's just what they're most familiar with and they're most comfortable with, but, but there's no fixed, fixed learning style. Um, but you need to communicate in different ways because everyone has different ways that they, again, are comfortable with learning the, the material. So, so learning how to find those, those connections and, and listen to the teacher stories about those opportunities that came to, um, to find the, again the right way to communicate to a particular um, student. So, so what I looked at is looking at different ways to um, to approach my teaching, but to be more intentional about teaching. I, I'd say that's probably more about it because again, as a as a K twelve teacher, that actually gets 
training as an educator, um, it's all about planning and organizing and, and really, you know, looking to where you want to go. Um, I, I was able to get away with winging it. You know, I just kind of get up and tell stories and talk about stuff. And that's really not the best way to educate. And so, so to me, it's learning about the importance of being more um, organized. And I still have a long way to go learning that part of it. But, but um, the value of, of being intentional um, with what I'm teaching and thinking about, you know, that backward design, um, which was kind of a foreign concept to me, but I learned that first from K-12 teachers and then got it from my own professional development, this idea of thinking about what are my learning objectives and then making sure that the things that we do in the class go towards that learning objective. That I'm not just doing something because it's fun and, and easy. I do, I, I like to do a lot of fun things and, and interactive things in the classroom, um, but to realize that there has to be an intention behind it. Um, there, that you can't waste time in the classroom. You have to make sure that you use that valuably. So, so that's probably the biggest lesson is to be, to be intentional about what I'm teaching and to, to plan a little bit better about where I'm going with my classes. So you mentioned sparking curiosity in your students. Um, so I'm curious, I saw on Twitter that you're doing the streak plate challenge and that sparked my curiosity because it's colorful and there's yeah. Petri dishes with yellow, purple, pink, and beige microbes growing. And, um, the other thing is hashtag competitive streaking. And so I kind of want to hear about that. What are you doing? And, um, what are the different microbes? Why are they different colors? Um, so yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, that's, that's, that's a fun new twist in my microbiology class. You know, I've been teaching microbiology for over 20 years and um, always looking for things to, to liven things up and change things. And yeah, one of the classic techniques you have to learn in, in microbiology is how to use the streak plate technique, which is, is uh, for those that haven't worked in a microbiology lab, it's a way that we use an auger petri dish to separate microbes to dilute them out on on a surface and so the idea is you start off with a complex mixture of microbes and using a sterile loop you spread them out over the surface of the plate so as you go from sector to sector there are fewer colonies in each sector and the goal is to separate single cells on that auger plate that will grow up into a pure colony um, of that specific organism and in a clinical lab or a environmental lab, whatever, when you're looking at microbes and you want to get a pure culture of microbe, you're going to use the streak plate technique a lot. So it's an important technique for students to learn. And what I've always done is to kind of challenge them to be able to separate a couple of different types of microbes. Um, and I've always used a couple of microbes that are, you know, naturally have some different color to them. Um, but it will always kind of challenging. I got to set up the mixture just right. You know, sometimes one would dominate and sometimes mm -hmm. I, you know, they wouldn't see all the different um, shapes and colors that are in there. Um, and, and I've been fortunate the last 10 years or so that, that we've had an iGEM team on our campus. iGEM is the International Genetically Engineered Machines. It's a synthetic biology um, design competition that's been going on for over 10 years, um, run out of a group at MIT. And so we've had a team on our campus for, for almost 10 years. And so one year, one of the teams did a project where they created all these different pigmented strains of E. coli. Um, each one produced a different uh, um, pigment from different sources. And, and I love that. And so I've been trying to repeat that for years. Um, I uh, um, got some of the plasmids from one of the um, from one of the teams. And so these plasmids carry these pigment genes that you can that you can use. Um, but the 
genes that they had in their collection um, didn't have the promoter, so they didn't express the genes, so they were colorless. So you have to put a, a promoter, a part that allows them to be transcribed to make the, the, um, the pigment. And so I thought that was a great project for my students to work on. So we tried for years, we never got to go. And then, then a company started producing and selling these as a you know, collection of microbes. And so I saw this as an opportunity to, to finally get my hands on those microbes and use them for all sorts of different purposes. And so the first thing I thought of once I got my collection of, of different pigmented strains was, can I get my students to start with a mixture of all 10? And can they do the streak plate technique to get as many of those colors to stand out as possible as single cells on the plate? And so that developed the the um, streak plate challenge. So I did it last year for the first time. We just repeated it again this year. Um, and the, the fun thing is, again, the students then that they start to see those colors, they know, oh, wow, that's really cool. What can we do with that? Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they're surprised at what they see. And then, and then again, accidents happen, you know, you know, they forget to use the right technique and suddenly you get these amazing visuals or, or I just, posted one yesterday um, where a student accidentally dropped a droplet of the mixture on the plate and it created this beautiful flower effect. Um, and so those, those happy accidents that happen in the microbiology lab mm-hmm. are usually um, pretty cool. So, um, so that was kind of a fun outcome of that. But, but the whole goal was to, again, there was a learning objective to teach them this skill that they're going to need as a microbiologist, um, but to make it fun and engaging and to make it kind of challenging. And so um, I, I'm teaching six sections of this lab. Um, each section, the best streak plate will get a giant microbe as a as an as a reward. <laughs> um, so so add a little so bit fun. of incentive behind it to 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 um, to make it go. So that's so fun. I love that idea. That's excellent. Um, and thank you for explaining the streak plate technique. <laughs> um, and I think, yeah, we'll, I'll link to photos of the plates so that everyone can see those. Um, but that reminds me, cause you mentioned the beautiful flower that, um, on your website, you also have microbe art, um, different things that people have drawn on Petri dishes with bacteria. So, right. um, can you kind of tell me a little bit about that? Did you do that in your labs in your research lab or in your classes? Um, and then what kind of motivated you to do that? Yeah, I do that everywhere. Um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's, that was the actual main intention behind getting those pigmented strains was for agar art. Um, the American Society for Microbiology has done an agar art competition for several years now. Um, and I've always been fascinated with that. Um, I find it interesting. I, I didn't really know about that till later on, till I got more interested that, you know, even Alexander Fleming, the guy who discovered penicillin, um, used to do that. You know, he actually did agra art way back when, when he was you know, um, working as a microbiologist back in the thirties. Um, so, so this idea of agar art is fascinating because microbes can come in all these beautiful colors and textures and, and things like that. And so originally I was working with microbes that are naturally pigmented that I had in my culture collection. And every year I would have students, you know, that would be interested. I'd offer this, do you want to do some agar art? Um, and so I would give them this using some of the naturally pigmented bacteria. I had a few strains of E. coli that had some pigments, um, genes put into them, but I didn't have that nice palette that I now have. Um, and so I've been doing it for years just as a way, again, to, again, every student has different strengths and, and 
passions and talents. And a lot of them are for, for art and music and things that, and, and those aren't, those complement what they do as scientists. And so I wanted to give them a chance to, to illustrate that. And, 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 I have to also confess, I probably probably stole a lot of these ideas from from you know from one of my idols in this area is, is Mark Martin, um, has done some amazing stuff with his students and given these opportunities to express themselves in creative ways, um, and so so I, I, I kind of refer to myself as the um, in, an, in an old fashioned reference um, the Milton Berle of of microbiology education. I steal all my best material from from other educators um and mm-hmm. so this idea of doing you know auger art and and working with bioluminescent bacteria and pigmented bacteria um is something mark's been doing for a long time too and 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 that kind of sparked a lot of the ideas i said oh that's cool my students see if my students can do some of that stuff so so giving them those outlets to to express themselves but then um i also again um, looking for ways to reach out to the general public. Uh, I want the, the public to be exposed to these types of things. And, and Marx does a really cool thing with um, uh, uh, bioluminescent bacteria, and he does agar art events uh, with uh, bioluminescent bacteria at, at um, different types of public venues and schools and things like that. Um, and so on our campus, we are an engineering school, and uh, 100 and, what I think, 110 years ago, um, we declared that St. Patrick is the patron saint of the engineers. And so we actually have a spring recess um, where we get two days off to celebrate St. Patrick's Day. Um, and it's a lot of wild and crazy activities going on campus. And a couple of years ago, I came up with the idea with our iGEM team, um, let's do a St. Patrick's you know, auger art event. Um, every year is the best ever. So this year is the best mm-hmm. ever St. Patrick's um, days for the 112th time or some of that. Um, mm-hmm. And so this year will be our third annual best ever auger art um, event. Um, well, it would be if we could do it publicly. I'll do it just in my lab this mm-hmm. time. But I, I, I tell my students um, uh, during St. Pat's week, we do this event and I tell them, I invite them to bring their friends to class. Um, I invite them to come to lab to do auger art. And when we set things up and they, they do auger art in the, in the laboratory. Um, and a few of them take me up on that offer and they, they will come along and, uh, um, they'll do events, but, um, yeah, you get some really cool stuff that comes out of it. Yeah, that's really neat. And very fun. I, um, when, before I went to grad school, I worked as a microbiology lab manager and I taught microbiology labs as well. And, um, <laughs> when I would teach the labs, I would streak out all the strains and stuff. And so then I did some of my own art before I even <laughs> knew other people did it. <laughs> and, yeah. um, I would, for the class, I would streak out E. coli in the shape of a smiley face. And then that would be what I'd pass out on the very first day. So everybody could see bacteria, but then see it in kind of like a different sort of way. Mm-hmm. And then, um, but I also kind of did it for fun, like in the lab too, where I made a tree and um, my husband is a pilot. And so I drew an airplane for him. And so it, it's just, it's funny how, I mean, you said that Alexander Fleming did the same thing. It's like, there's something in us that wants to take these yeah. microbes that we work with and then do something artistic with them. Yeah, yeah. I, again, one of the hazards of, for my poor daughter growing up with a microbiologist <laughs> as a father. Um, yeah, actually, I started. I mean, way back when she 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 she's 
very much into music. She would go off and do music camps and things like that. And, and usually in the summer and her birthday's in the summer. So, so I would actually take bioluminescent bacteria and I would paint a birthday treat and I would tape it up and I would mail it to her at camp. And so she'd get a <laughs> bioluminescent treat um, uh, uh, delivered to her at, 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 at camp for her birthday. So that, so um, yeah, get drawing with the bioluminescent bacteria. Um, it was always a fun thing That's again, so cool. like to, to, to share with her in those, in those ways. <laughs> I love that. Um, so with the bioluminescent bacteria, I'm having trouble remembering, do you, does it just glow if you turn off the lights? Is that right? Absolutely. It's, it's naturally luminescent. They, they produce their own light. Um, yeah, I use a strain called Photobacterium lignathii. Um, I think Mark Martin uses the same strain, but he has a strain that actually is mine tend to, you know, quorum sensing is what drives us. So, so microbes talk to each other with chemical signals and they don't make light till they get to a certain density when they achieve a quorum. Um, and so when they um, start to produce light, they produce it for a period of time, but then they lose that ability over time as the quorum sensing wears off. Um, he's got some strains that don't lose it as quite as quickly. So his last a little longer than, than mine do. Um, but still, it's a very effective um, uh, tool to demonstrate a lot of those types of uh, phenomena. But they're, they're naturally luminescent. Um, they require oxygen to do this. So, so you've probably seen... Um, those pictures of the ocean waves that will light up at night and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, those aren't bioluminescent bacteria. Those are phytoplankton that, that, um, that do that. But, um, but it's the same principle. These are organisms mm-hmm. that produce their own natural light. Um, but that's why the waves light up because you need the, the, the oxygen to, um, to get the, the, um, the reaction to get the light to produce. Um, and so I actually have a really cool demonstration I learned as an undergraduate where I take a, a glass tube. I've got one that's about three feet long. And I take a, a nice bioluminescent culture and I fill it into that glass tube and then you cap it off so you seal it. And so after, you know, 10, 15 seconds, it goes dark and you leave a little air bubble at top. And then I will um, open up the cap, let the air in, seal it again, and then I can turn the tube over. And as that air bubble rises up through the tube, they light up. So it's a really fascinating effect to, um, to see. And I've been trying for years to try and get a good video of it. I've, I've got a video on my, I have a little YouTube channel with some short videos. So I have a video of it. It's not really clear, but, um, but it's the best I can do to, to show that. But they're, they're just fascinating organisms to work with. Really cool. Yeah, that's really neat. And that was really interesting about the waves that they need the oxygen. And so then that's why they kind of light up when they're in the waves. Um, mm-hmm. When I was um, getting to know my husband, we went to the beach at night and I remember sitting there and pushing my hand down onto the sand and then seeing it light up a little bit. And I was like, oh my gosh, yeah. look at it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. yeah. It's neat. They're everywhere. I mean, it's like there are things yeah. in microbiology that are happening all, all over the place that we don't even you know, know until all of a sudden there it is. <laughs> yeah, I know how to look for it and, and recognize yep. you know, the microbial connections to those things is you know, yeah, that's the, that's the, the fun part yeah there's actually a there's, there's a great book I don't, I don't know if it's even in press anymore called the field guide to bacteria um oh that's yeah really it is it's on amazon that, that, <laughs> that goes through and, and um oh, well, shoot, what's the author name dwyer betsy dyer. dexter dyer. dyer yeah um uh that's a that's a great 
book to, to introduce students to, you know, to look for just those signs of microbiology around oh, it. It's yeah. not just that mold growing on your, on your orange or, or things like that. It's, you know, it's, there's so many signs of, of life everywhere. It's really cool to, to introduce students to that idea. Definitely. I think that's a really good suggestion. Um, I have that actually on my blog, um, who was, over a year ago, I had did a post about birthday gifts that I got, and one of mm-hmm. them was that book. And yeah. um, I I love that book so much. It's really wonderful to look through that and then find different things that you can go outside and look for in um, these signs of microbial life that you kind of don't even realize are there, um, like a metallic sheen on the water um, that you think is an oil spill. But no, it's actually mm-hmm. um, the metals from bacteria. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. So are there any other ideas that you could come up with that would help people enjoy microbes in their daily lives? Oh, def- definitely. Lots, lots of fun things you can do with, with microbes. I mean, the, you know, we see this with the, with the, with the pandemic baking fa- uh, fad and you know, being able to make your own sourdough bread or, or making yogurt and, and, and things like that are, that are, um, fun and, you know, things you can do as a family. Um, but I think one of the, one of the, the things I learned again, as an undergraduate that I've taken with me, and I've always made it part of my microbiology classes, but also things I do for fun and, and you've blogged about it. And so many people write about it are the Winograsky columns. You know, Winograsky columns just fascinate me. The, the, the different, colors you get out of it. And, and what a Minograsky column is um, for, the, for the listeners out there is a, um, a way to enrich for photosynthetic bacteria that are in pond water, seawater. Um, they're naturally out there in the, in the water. And so what you can do is you can take a, any kind of a column-shaped vessel. Um, it could be a soda bottle, you know, something tall and slender. Um, you put some uh, sediment in there with some pond water, um, put it in the light, and over time, it will, you know, these photosynthetic bacteria will start to grow because you've provided them an environment they like to grow. And so when they grow, they grow in different colors. Um, and those colors uh, will be related to um, their relationship to oxygen at the top, or at the bottom, you get hydrogen sulfide, that rotten egg smell. Um, and so you get these gradients of different environments and each microbe has a different optimum uh, uh, environment they like to grow in. And so you'll get these layers of different colors that come out. And so, so making Winograsky columns is something we do in the classroom, but something you can do at home, you know, grab a two liter soda bottle, dig up some sediment and, uh, and some pond water, um, seal it off and, and, uh, and let it sit in the sun and see how it grows. Um, and again, I've done this over years. I, I'm sure my wife hates going shopping with me because I'll go into you know, <laughs> stores and I say, that would make a really cool Winograsky column. Um, <laughs> and I'll, I'll buy it and bring it home and make a Winograsky column out of it. Um, I, I remember my favorite many years ago for the 100th anniversary for the ASM, um, someone had made a giant plate, a uh, uh, Winograsky column that was a giant plate that was like three or four feet tall. Um maybe two feet wide and maybe a couple inches thick. Um, that was just, it was just fabulous. Just a beautiful um, column. Um, I do things being at an engineering school and being around chemical engineers, I find all sorts of giant glassware. So I've got a, a down in my lab, um, a, a seven foot tall glass column that I've made into a Winograsky column. I've got another one that I'm working on right now that I'm going to, I'm going to make, but, but you can do this at home again with just simple, bottles. Um, the, the, the fun story is, again, under this you know, 
quarantine days, uh, my wife, my, my, my daughter lives over in Germany. Um, and, uh, when they were in quarantine, she was at a, at a friend's, um, house out on their farm. And, uh, she, you know, WhatsApp me and says, how do you make those mud column things? And I said, oh, <laughs> wind grassy columns. You want to make winter grassy columns? I said, yeah, we got different ponds and stuff like that. And they've got some old bottles. They wanted to try it out. So, mm. um, so I directed her to your blog. Um, I directed her to the, um, I work with stuff with the HHMI. HHMI, HHMI has a great, um, um, biointeractive uh, winter grassy column. Um, we did that at, um, at the ASM booth at the USA Science and Engineering Festival a few years ago. Um, it's a great fun thing to build, to watch change over time and, and make observations of how these microbes grow. You learn about ecology, you learn about microbes, you learn about succession, um, lots of different principles that come from that. So that's a nice, fun home activity. Um, when I work with my K-12 teachers, I always talk to them about winter grassy columns and they always come back, oh, we made those columns and they were, you know, <laughs> we had so much fun with this. Um, sometimes they get a little carried away and they say, oh, the, the classroom stunk <laughs> after we get back and we got a little carried away with it. But um, yeah, it's just, it's just a fun thing. And again, people catch them and then you start wanting to do it on your own. So, um, so winter grassy mm -hmm. columns are, are addictive in that sense, I guess. Oh yeah. That's, that's an excellent activity. I think that is a great at-home activity that everyone can go and experience the microbial world in a hands-on way with that. Anybody and pretty much with supplies that you've got probably in your house. And one thing I've found too is that not every Winograds, they are pretty much no Winogradsky is going to look the same and that they don't always look like the color coding pictures, um, illustrations usually <laughs> yes, of the right. Winogradskis kind of showing the different, it's more like showing the possibilities of what could grow rather than this is what it's going to look like. And I think some people are a little disappointed. Um, but so <laughs> I kind of want people to know that it's okay if your Winogradsky doesn't look perfect. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's more, it's more, uh, more patchy. And, and I think that's, that's an important concept that I try and teach the students is because, again, this is an enrichment. So the microbes have to be there in the first place. And so it's where the microbes are that, that determines where that is going to happen. And so if they just happen to be, you know, the microbes that started that population were in that part of the column, that's where they're going to flourish. So, um, so it's a, it's a good lesson for them is that the right microbes need to be in the right place at the right time to get that effect. That's a good point. So I'll link to the blog post so everybody can find that. And then um, if you have any other resources too, then I can link to those as well. The HHMI, I think at the end of the blog post, I link to that, but um, I can put another link in the show notes to that as well. Do you have any other resources? So you mentioned the Field Guide to Bacteria by Betsy Dexter Dyer, which I love. Yeah. Um, do you have any other books or um websites that you would recommend that people could go to to learn more about microbiology or any yeah. teacher resources too because i know on your you have a website which i'll link to in the show notes um you have teacher resources as well so anything else that you'd like to mention or uh, any favorite examples of things on the teacher resources page so my favorite you know resource about microbiology especially for the for the general public is ed young's i contain multitudes um that's just a, a fantastic book you know ed is just a, a a wonderful writer um and he really captured the the passion of microbiologists with with little vignettes about different 
types of microbes and, and where they impact the world around us. And so that's just a great book to introduce anybody to, to microbiology um, and, and the wonderful microbes that are out there. Um, and then um, there's been a, a series of videos that kind of came from some of those that tell those stories in, in Ed's unique um perspective and really, again, gives you that personality behind the scientists. So there's a, a, a several short videos um, that are available on YouTube. You know, my favorite, again, are people that I've, I've had the pleasure of meeting over the years, like um, uh, Ned Ruby and Margaret McFall Nye, and hearing them talk about their bioluminescent bacteria that uh, have a symbiotic relationship with uh, the tiny bobtail squid, or Colleen Cavanaugh talking about her discovery of the um, uh, chemotrophic bacteria that live in the um, trophosome, the, basically the, the, the body of these giant tube worms that live at the bottom of the ocean. So they have all these great little stories that, that, um, that Ed tells that are just a, a wonderful resource for the microbiologist. So, um, so I like um, his book. That's really the one when I want to sh- get people connected to microbes. Um, that's the first place I send them. And when I find websites, I try to put them on my website. Um, I tend to focus on those resources that people can use in the classroom um, because I think that's the, that's the audience that I'm really reaching out for. But um, but when I meet with people in the public, when when things pop in my head, then I share. I've tried this one out and see what it looks like. That's great. Um, and I know that there are teachers that will be listening to this and they will appreciate those resources so they can go check out your website. So thank you so much for chatting with me today. Um, this has been really, really fun. So why don't you tell everyone where they can find, follow and connect with you? Okay, my name again is Dave Westenberg. I'm at Missouri University of Science and Technology, Missouri s and And so you can... Uh, Happy to, to take your emails. And uh, I'm on Twitter as the Germ Juggler. And uh, that's primarily where my where my um, public face is, although I've been encouraged to probably get onto Instagram one of these days with some of my lab photos. I'll probably get there um, soon enough. Excellent. Well, thank you so much again. This was really fun and I think it'll be very valuable to a lot of people and just interesting to listen to and learn about the microbial world. So I really appreciate your time. Cool. Thanks for the opportunity. It's always fun to talk about microbes. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Joyful Microbe Podcast. Please subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode. If you'd like to help others who love microbes to find the podcast, then please leave a rating and a review for the show. To learn more about the Joyful Microbe, head on over to joyfulmicrobe.com where you will find the show notes and all of the links and resources mentioned. If you loved the part where we discussed making a Winogradsky column for the at-home microbiology activity and that sounds like something you'd like to do, You can check out the blog post where you can learn step-by-step how to make one. But if you'd like more information about what happens after you make one, how to interpret the results, and some resources for doing this activity in the classroom, you can get the Joyful Winogradsky Column Guide, my complete guide to Winogradsky Columns. This guide is intended to make your life easier, especially if you are a teacher or a homeschooling parent, because it explains everything you need to know about before, during, and after creating a Winogradsky column, outlines a lesson plan, and provides exercises for your students. If you are not an educator, I still think you'll enjoy it because of the incredible color guide designed by Lisa Vander Art. 
that will help you interpret your Winogradsky column so you can make predictions of what microbes are growing in there. If that sounds like something you are interested in, then you can find it at joyfulmicrobe.com slash column, And there will also be a link to it in the show notes for this episode. Thanks again, microbe friends. Talk to you next time. Bye.